This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. I always get a chuckle when a new person stumbles across something that I've written on my website or on a forum and asks me the question, are you a preacher? It's funny because to most Christians, this would be a compliment. To be a person recognized as someone who cares enough about the things of God to tell another person is encouraging and should be a blessing to us as Christians. But the reason that this question brings humor is in the situation. While all other Christians would receive this as a compliment, I know that this question comes from a person programmed with the teaching of William Branham, and it is intended to be an insult. The greater irony is the comparison between what we see in this contrast of Christians versus cults when we begin to compare it with the early days of Jesus Christ. Those of us that have left the message, the denomination of faith that follows the teaching of William Marion Branham, have been condemned or outcast by the cult followers. I'll admit, not everyone has, but the vast majority of people have went through the struggle to find new friends or new support groups or even men and women to replace the love that a mother or father will no longer show because of their new walk with Christ. Under the New Covenant, God instructed the children of Israel to be a separated people. They were to strictly follow the Mosaic Law, and any person refusing to follow or who rose in opposition to the law were outcast. God was building a church, and the children of Israel were the foundation of that church. The Levitical priesthood were to remain pure and holy, and the tribe of Judah was going to produce the greatest gift that this world has ever known. The law was harsh. If you study how that law was given, you'll find that it could almost be considered a punishment for the children of Israel after they breached the first covenant that Moses received from God. In God's wrath, he gave the children of Israel a set of rules that he knew they could never uphold. And they didn't. 
constantly they fell into idolatry. They began to worship one thing or another, and the trail of false gods can be found all through history of the children of Israel. It's interesting because archaeological digs in the places where Israel were known to have lived have produced household idols of Asherah, the breasted god. When these were first found, archaeologists that didn't know their Bibles falsely believed that the children of Israel worshipped this idol as well as Yahweh. And as news of what they found began to spread, this belief that Yahweh had a female counterpart in the form of an idol actually took hold. You'll find websites of men who proclaim this fall to idolatry without corresponding scriptures where God's wrath was shown, including wrath against them for including pagan gods in their worship. This even took hold in the cult of William Branham. Branham taught that El Shaddai, or the God of Abraham, was the breasted God. Branham was fascinated with the things of science and relayed them to his people on recordings with a spiritual twist that made his followers believe that these things came to him by divine revelation. But under the Old Covenant law, there was a strict priesthood. Not just anybody could be priest, only those from the tribe of Levi. The Levitical priesthood was carried down from generation to generation and ultimately would produce the men in the priesthood that Christ would one day rebuke. And the Israelites would rebuke Christ in return because he was not a Levite. Jesus was born in the tribe of Judah and was nothing but a simple son of a carpenter. The, the Bible emphasizes the stark contrast because the ones that had abandoned love completely to enforce the law were of the respected Levitical priesthood. So when Christ started standing for truth, and started teaching the people the way of life that God wants for his children. All sides scorned and condemned. Women, who under custom were not permitted to be involved with spiritual discussions or learn spiritual teaching, were now sitting around Christ as he taught how the law had failed and grace was required. These women, breaking the tradition to become Christian, were scorned and mocked by the friends and families that they once knew and loved. As Christ taught them freedom and grace, their friends scorned them for breaking the law. This scorn was compounded by the true nature of the gospel. When you hear the real gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Christ come to fulfill the law, he lived the perfect life that we could never live, he died on the cross for the sins of the world, and he rose again so that we can rise with him. Simply believing that he did this for us, you become excited. You must tell others. You want everyone to know what Jesus Christ did for you. The gospel has the power to save. The gospel alone. When men and women hear 
a freedom for earthly things, they quickly grow excited. And they cannot sleep until they've told another and another. How much more the freedom in Christ? Paul said that we're all free. And he says that all things are made lawful. Paul carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations, spreading the good news that Jesus Christ had set us free from the law. Now, even the Jews, once bound by the penalty of law, were free to serve God without the same oppression that once had them bound. And they were free to worship God with the Gentiles, which was a clear violation of the law. The Gentiles were scorned by tradition of the law. They were uncircumcised. They ate food, sacrificed to idols in their temples. And they were descendants from a long line of people that had sacrificed human flesh to the Baals. Yet the power of the gospel knows no boundaries. Even the pagan priests, once slaying innocent victims on an altar of a false god, can be saved simply by hearing the good news that God sent His only Son to die from the sins of the world and set us free. So when I get this question, are you a preacher? It gives me a good chuckle. The very question tells me that I'm dealing with a person bound by the law. And they have no idea that there are spiritual chains hanging from their hands and feet. Like the Jews, the law is the only law that they knew. They do not know the grace of Jesus Christ or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, they would have read from the many scriptures that Paul wrote in his church describing freedom from the law. They would know that spreading the gospel does not require a priesthood and that our new high priest is Jesus Christ, not some mortal born of sin. They would know, they would have read how Hezekiah broke down the brazen serpent that once brought divine healing to the children of Israel and later became an idol that they worshipped along with the one true God. They would know that these stories of the Old Testament paved the way for a people burdened by law so that Christ would one day set them free. That very question, are you a preacher, tells me that I'm dealing with a person who's been falsely programmed to believe that only a cult pastor can read, understand, and tell others about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the things of the Bible. William Branham programmed his cult following to believe this by twisting a scripture opposite of its intended meaning. 1962 is one example. He says this all through. But 1962, he says, The Bible said that prophecy is of no private interpretation. Why? It ain't a private interpretation. The, Lord of, the word of the Lord come to the prophets. It's interpreted by the prophet. This teaching came from a scripture snipped out of 2 Peter 1, reversed, and taken as a context and a potion of scripture by William Branham to trick his followers into believing that his lack of understanding of the Bible was instead some new sort of revelation. 
when he gave the people a jumbled mix of verses taken out of context, he was creating a potion. And that potion cast a spell on the followers to trick them out of studying their Bibles. If you read the verses before and after, you'll find that Peter is telling us that God gives us understanding of Scripture to anyone desiring to learn. We are now led by the Holy Spirit, not a man. And God does not allow one single man to interpret Scripture and lift himself up as an idol over the people. It says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. When we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves understood this very voice born from heaven. And we were with Him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing first of all, and here's where it came from, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, and will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. Because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. And their destruction is not asleep. It's very difficult to stop at that verse, because the more we read, the more thought Peter gives to this very subject. Peter speaks against those who trick the people into their spiritual power. It's ironic because the cult of William Branham condemns the Catholic Church for this very thing. They recognize the authority of the Pope and his ultimate authority of Scripture. They condemn it and are very vocal against this hierarchy that was replaced under the new covenant of grace. But while picking the little speck out of the eye of the Catholic, they ignore the log in their own eyes. They do not see that they have set up the very same thing that the Catholic Church established, only worse. The Catholic Church takes the teaching, at least tries to take it back to the Bible, and at least makes an effort to place the Bible as their absolute authority. But whether they realize it or not, the cult of William Branham has made Branham the new high priest that exceeds the authority of the papacy. The evidence is given in this is in the long conversation that follows that question, are you a preacher? 
the programmed next question in my response of no is to bash me over the head with quotes of William Branham that belittle me for standing firmly on the leading of the Holy Spirit as I read God's Word. While the Bible instructs me to do this, William Branham instructs against it. In fact, Branham's message is a direct conflict, a direct argument against the second book of Peter. I studied recently Romans chapter 10 and found it's a very fitting answer to this question. If I were to simply answer, no, I'm not a preacher, then the programmed cult mind would never understand. You see, to them, I am a preacher because I am reading and I am studying God's Word. I'm pointing out conflicts between God's Word and the words of William Branham. I'm pointing out how prophecies are taken out of the popular science magazine about egg-shaped cars, and they have absolutely nothing to do with the things of God. I'm examining scripture that condemns Branham for his failed prophecies and instructs us to stand firmly against false prophets. To them, I am a preacher. But to all other Christians in the body of Christ, I am nothing. They recognize that there's no attempt to gain a following. They see that what I do is painful against the will of human nature. They see me as more of an ox, one who carries the burden that nobody else is willing to carry. I'm the pack mule. I'm not a preacher. Romans 10 describes this exact scenario. And Paul is telling us about those willing to stand for the gospel. He tells us that the Jews, bound by law, will never understand. They are only capable of hearing the rules and regulations that are given from a priest. Though there is no distinction between Gentiles and who never knew law and the Jew that was bound by it, Paul says we are all the same in the eyes of God. Paul says, For Moses writes about righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteous, based on faith, says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because I confess to you with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you confess this and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe him with whom they've never heard. How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, the beautiful 
How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. Let me repeat that. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Let me repeat that too, the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I asked, did Israel not understand? That's Romans 10, 5 through 19. While the cult followers are bound by the law that Branham imposed on their lives, they'll never understand. While they serve Branham as their high priest and honor the new priesthood of authority, placing the, the authority back into the hands of their pastors, a cult follower will never understand. They will never see any stand for the word of God as anything but preaching. It's interesting because while telling uh, those who make their stand for the, world, the word of God that they do not have authority to rightly handle the word of truth, they'll give you a hundred quotes from the book of Branham. I've often thought about responding to the onslaught of Branham quotes with twisted scripture. Are you a preacher? <laughs> so to those of you who have been set free, and to those who are in Christian churches outside of this cult, you will understand, no, I'm not a preacher. I'm the ox that everybody likes to poke the sticks at. I'm the one that has placed myself out front so that the sexually abused can escape to freedom while I bear the brunt of their attacks. I'm the one that gives a face to the Underground Railroad so that pastors can spew their hatred towards me instead of those that are sneaking out from under them. I'm the one that this cult can show anger and hatred towards, venting their frustration while the suicidal person can escape and find new life in Christ. We have private groups established helping many people like I've just described. All tell stories of abuse ranging from sexual to physical to spiritual. And after deprogramming, all will tell you that the spiritual abuse was far worse than the sexual. Because spiritual abuse promotes a system like the Catholic Church and the message of William Branham where the priests can sweep the evil under the rug unnoticed. If you're a person asking this question and you're truly trying to find a preacher, I recommend that you open your phone book and find a good, healthy church. One that is based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news that Christ came to set us free from the law. Find one that does have a preacher, not some man who is just a broken record restating over and over and over something that was said over 40 years ago. You'll find many resources online describing what makes a healthy church. And I strongly recommend for you to read through them. If you're in a healthy church, tell others about Jesus and bring new faces 
into your house of worship. If you are not in a healthy church, get out and find one that is. My favorite resource for studying the signs of a healthy church comes from John MacArthur on his website, Grace to You. And you'll see the link here at the bottom of the screen. I recommend that you go to this link and read what is a healthy church. God bless you.